the holiday really has to start with plan, right? You have to have a plan. How are you going to deal with parties and how are you going to deal with all the temptations? Welcome to the Longevity Blueprint Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Stephanie Gray. My number one goal with the show is to help you discover your personalized plan to build your dream health and live a longer, happier, truly healthier life. You're about to hear from Veronica Worley. Today, she's going to share tips to sail through the holidays without blowing your diet and ruining your health. And she's going to dive into her specialty, which is getting to the root of weight and health issues by looking at mineral imbalance. Let's get started. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the Your Longevity Blueprint podcast. Today I have on as a guest, Veronica Worley. Veronica helps men and women age gracefully and beautifully by getting to the root cause of belly fat, energy loss, hormone, and mineral imbalance. She specializes in mineral imbalance, which can be the route to weight gain, energy loss, and hormone imbalance. Once tested, you can learn the exact process needed to get the body back into balance and overcome disease and symptoms. She does this by using functional lab testing, food and lifestyle changes, so you can get well and stay well. As with many holistic practitioners, Veronica's path to helping others feel better began when she herself started having many health issues a few years ago. Doctors couldn't figure out the cause of her symptoms. After discovering that a mineral imbalance was at the root of her fibroids, migraines, brain fog, hormone imbalance, depression, and energy loss, she chose natural methods and worked to overcome her issues, and she lost 30 pounds in the process. Putting her nutrition background to work, she began a lifelong study of nutrition, holistic wellness, and functional medicine, and since has helped many people get well and lose weight using mineral balancing, nutrition, and lifestyle changes. So welcome to the show, Veronica. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Well, tell me your story. So as your bio alluded to, you had some health issues that sounds like mineral imbalances um, were an answer for. So tell us how you got into being a holistic practitioner and about some of your, your health challenges. Wonderful. Well, I have a background in nutrition, so I've always been interested in eating healthy. Not that I've always eaten healthy, but I've <laughs> had have that interest and have strived to eat healthy the last few decades, especially raising my children and all of that. And so uh, it was surprising to me that after a move that I began to have some serious issues. And so I realized that uh, because of that, not, not being able to walk, it's a long story and you probably don't oh. want me to get into that, but but after a move, uh, it was extremely stressful. Um, I was on my feet, my plantar uh heel spurs flared up, and I couldn't walk without a wheelchair for about 10 months, first 10 months we lived there. And that, of course, brought on extra 20 pounds. And, you know, you can't unpack, you can't meet people, you can't uh, find, you know, your way around and so forth. And that's when I realized that because of that, I had really let the past year let my nutrition skills slip, you know, ordering pizza is easier than getting on your feet and cooking. So so, um, I determined that I'm going to go back and and restudy and to make a long story short, my daughter graduated high school. And so I, that's how my, that's actually how my business was born because I realized that I'm, I'm not, you know, she's off to college. I have time now. I can go back and pursue my nutrition. And I went back to school and became certified in functional medicine and um, have been working that now for the past several years. Because I know that as a result of mineral imbalancing and nutrition, that it's key to overcoming health issues. So you intrigue me, so you make me wanna ask, well, without telling us your whole story, (laughs) which primary mineral imbalances did you have that were a solution for you? 
Well, you know, I had uh, calcium and magnesium were two big ones for me. As a result, I, I had bone loss. And so that's why now I, I have a tendency to work with a lot of osteoporosis clients and bone loss. And that's sort of, I don't know if I call it my specialty, but I really do deal with that a lot because I have dealt with it and overcome bone loss in my own self. And that really surprised me because my years of eating healthy and nutrition, all the things that I applied to my diet and our family, I was surprised that I had ended up with bone loss. And, sure. uh, and I had these other issues too, you know, which pointed to hormone imbalance and my, my stress, the adrenals was out kwazoo and uh, the, you know, stress is huge. Mm -hmm. Stress is probably the thing that probably brought on the imbalance because when you're stressed, it really sucks a lot of the nutrients, especially things like magnesium out of your body. So that when one thing becomes deficient, then one or more other minerals become deficient. So I had calcium, magnesium imbalance, and of course, a host of others that I have, have now been working very diligently on. We talk about that a lot on the show, how stress, well, I mentioned to my patients that it's the biggest hormone hijacker, but it also robs us of minerals, specifically magnesium. Most everyone is low on magnesium oh that I goodness. find. I know. Same so, here. Yeah. So let's, let's get into mineral balancing. So tell us okay. what that is and how okay. you use that with your clients. Sure. Sure. Well, min mineral balancing is basically, it is looking at the minerals that have been secreted from the body within the last three or four months, because hair is a soft tissue, it can accumulate these things. So that's why mineral balancing is a very good uh, tool because you're looking at the soft tissue and you're looking at the past three or four months, as opposed to just what you ate yesterday, so to speak. And so mineral balancing is then looking at the ratio of these minerals together. We look primarily at the four main minerals, which are calcium, sodium, magnesium, and potassium. Those are the four main minerals our body makes up uh, is made up of those four the most, with calcium being the number one. And we look at those. And then we look at secondary and tertiary minerals also. And those minerals are important because even though we need them in smaller, minute amounts, they still are affected if we have a calcium overload or uh, magnesium balance, so to speak. If you have one mineral that is imbalanced, it can cause an imbalance in one or more other minerals. And then that can, in addition, create this, this cascade, if you will, of minerals. You know, one after another starts to become imbalanced. And so that's why people will start with one symptom or one disease or an illness and start to get another one on top of that because their minerals continually stay imbalanced and their body is becoming deficient. And when that happens, then the body is looking for a replacement to those minerals. And what does it usually get? Usually we'll take on metals. And so we're all exposed to metals every day in the air and in the food and our, in our environment and our pots and pans. We have metals that we are exposed to. A healthy person naturally just kicks those out of the body. They're eliminated. But if the person is missing a mineral, say calcium, the body is looking for a metal to displace it like lead, calcium, is displaced by lead in the body. And so then the body will begin to accumulate the lead so that it has something to use as a replacement. And that's why we see many women with osteoporosis have heavy metal toxicities and they, they do have higher yes. levels of things like lead. Yes, they do. Yes. What's your primary means of testing then? Is hair analysis what you primarily use? 
yes, we use hair tissue mineral analysis for that. Sure. Yeah. So I have to ask, so what about like the hair dye and the chemicals and the things that individuals use? Are you getting, because you're getting an, uh, a sample closer to the root, do those things not affect the sample? Well, you have to be careful that when, uh, when you get ready to instigate that, the test and collect your samples that the client has not dyed their hair within the last eight weeks. Okay. And so we usually wait and I've had, we've had people have to wait two months or so yeah. before they can collect their samples. And other things uh, we're looking for being careful with uh, if a person is in the chlorine pool a lot to be careful because that can affect the, the results. Also we're looking at uh, the person, what type of shampoo is it, if it's high in oxide or high in zinc you know, the person who has dandruff shampoos that they use, then that can affect it. So we ask all of these questions before instigating the, the exam or the test. Smart. What about someone who just has bad water in general? Like I, <laughs> I had to put a chlorine, you know, yeah. a, a, a yeah. charcoal filtration system in my home to get the chlorine out because the chlorine was so high in the water in our city. Yeah. Can that that's impact? a good, that's a good question. It probably wouldn't impact as much the actual hair as if you're washing your hair in the water. What would be more impacted is drinking the water. Right. And again, we stress the importance of drinking good, healthy, distilled water, filtered water. So once you run this hair analysis and you determine what minerals are out of balance, what's the best approach to get them back into balance? <laughs> Good question. Yes. Well, we start with looking at results and looking at the, the um, ratio between all of the minerals and each ratio tells us something about the person. So you're looking at, uh, is it one, you know, what each ratio we have, um, sodium magnesium. Well, that has to do with, uh, adrenals and it has to do with, so if that's very low or very high, then it tells me that this person has either a lot of stress going on in their life and they have, uh, or they're missing some minerals that are causing this. And then there's a whole list of symptoms that are associated with that. You know, and usually when I read this off and I look at this and I read off the symptoms, the client goes, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, anxiety, panic attacks, all these things. And so we begin to address that by looking at their diet, looking at changes. How can we address stress? How can we address sleep, exercise? We look at all of those things first. And then we look to supplementing with minerals and uh, nutrients that are, say, balancing the body. Sure. So do you find, uh, you alluded earlier to, it sounds like even the fact that maybe you needed some calcium, do you find that many women actually need calcium or do we have kind of an over calcification right now? That's <laughs> a really good example. Women, yeah. <laughs> yes, that's a good example because most of the time she goes to the doctor and, and gets tested and sure enough, she has bone loss, osteopenia, osteoporosis. And what does the doctor do? Say, go, was, go take some cheap calcium from Walmart. That's it. 1,200 milligrams of calcium. And well, the bone strength and exercises are good, but the calcium makes it worse if it's not balanced with the other minerals. And that's exactly what I find that if I get uh, a woman who has bone loss, more than likely she has very high calcium levels. And there's an imbalance in all of these. And according to the HTMA, the hair tissue mineral analysis that I run, if it's very high uh, calcium levels, it's a loss. And that means that the body has all this calcium, but it doesn't know what to do with it. Right. It doesn't, it's not able to get into the cells. And so it just kind of roams around the body <laughs> looking for a place to go. And calcium is one of the sharpest, if not the sharpest mineral. So again, you're looking at 
arthritis and bone spurs usually accompany uh, osteoporosis because the calcium is, and maybe even heart disease because the calcium right. is looking for a place to go. I've talked about this in a different way uh, in other episodes, just the importance of K2 and that K2 helps direct calcium into the bone matrix yes. where it's supposed to go. Are you an advocate for using K2 yeah. as oh, well? Yes. K2. We also look at, according to what the test results say, look at B6. That's important for getting where it belongs in the cells. Also looking at boron and um, some of these other minerals like you know manganese making sure that um it's an imbalance there i think boron gets a bad rap sometimes i, I feel like um especially i've heard some oncologists take patients off boron what what are your we're going off on a tangent here but what are your thoughts on boron do you use that in a lot of i do use i do use it you have to be careful because it's very easy to if you take a boron supplement to increase it to highest levels so usually what i tell clients we'll just watch it and i i kind of know you know um, I don't, I don't supplement with boron usually. What we work on are the first four minerals. Let's get the calcium, magnesium, sodium, and potassium in balance. And if after we retest in three months and we're still having some issues, we can either keep, keep working on those four minerals or we can then begin to supplement with boron. But usually it's just involved in, in a, a tablespoon or two of borax in the oh. bathtub okay. a couple times a week. That's all yeah. that's needed. After you treat a patient, then are you retesting the levels like three months later to see if they're back in balance or what's the protocol? Yes, I do encourage two to four months. Uh, you can retest as early as a month, but really at two, two to four months because that's when the hair goes out and we're looking yeah. at the closest inch and a half to the head back in the nape of the neck. Sure. You mentioned that you lost weight and, and all my female patients want to lose weight usually. So <laughs> tell us how mineral imbalances affect our inability to lose weight and can hamper our body's ability to overcome health issues in general? Oh boy. Well, this is a loaded question. As you know, weight loss uh, is huge. Uh, I get more clients than any that come to me for weight loss. And sure. usually what I'll tell them that weight loss, losing weight is not their fault necessarily. It's not because they've overindulged, although we all do overindulge from time to time but it has to do with a mineral imbalance or something else going on in the body. And uh, that mineral imbalance can point to what is going on in the body. So it can point to infections. If there are bacterial infections, if there are uh, fungal overgrowth, if there are thyroid or hormone, female hormones imbalance or adrenal dis dysfunction, all of that can cause these cravings and it can cause sugar imbalance, sugar dysregulation, insulin resistance, and it can cause weight gain or the inability to lose. And of course, you know, we know hormones, that's huge. You know, um, a good indicator of, of uh, a balance with stress is if you get the, the wide middle, you know, the middle, big tummy. <laughs> Muffin top, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, even so, you know, and it can be hard. You know, if you can touch it, that's the way what mine was. That's, that was where I lost my weight the most was in my belly is because soon after that move, I mean, my waist just like increased, I think 10 inches. And I, I go back and I look at videos because I do a lot of cooking videos and things. And I, my waist is huge, you know, and that stress, right? And so stress then can cause um, mineral imbalance because it takes a lot of extra min minerals out of your body. And it's a big spiral. Could you be missing out on magnesium? If you aren't already taking magnesium, you likely should be. 
Our deficient food sources, caffeine consumption, stress, and exercise rob us of magnesium, which is an important cofactor for hundreds of processes in the body. It can calm your mind and ease your nerves to help you sleep at night and help reduce anxiety, PMS, and headaches. It can relax your muscles when you have cramps, your bowels when you're constipated, and it's required for energy, hormone production, and vitamin D absorption. If you're interested in exploring more about how magnesium can help support you living a longer, healthier life and the exact type of magnesium supplement to look for, check out my blog post, The Magnificence of Magnesium, found at yourlongevityblueprint.com forward slash blog. And use code magnesium for 10% off our magnesium chelate product at yourlongevityblueprint.com. Now let's get back to the episode. So obviously we have to change the lifestyle, (laughs) reduce the stress, but indirectly you're saying correcting the mineral imbalances helps with balancing the hormones, can help with treating infection, helps the adrenals, et cetera, et cetera, to eventually help with the weight loss. So kind of indirectly correcting those well yes hopefully into into weight loss for the patient let's stick on the topic of weight loss because the holidays are coming up here and so (laughs) i know a lot of patients will gain some weight over the holidays and i know you like you said you have cooking videos so i'd like to know some of your your best tips to help people avoid that holiday 15 and stay healthy Uh. (laughs) um, holiday season (laughs) yes yes and um you know, I have a lot of tips and I've done um, talks on this before and, and even have some of these tips on my website uh, that people can go to. But, you know, uh, the best thing I can say is just concentrate, first of all, on eating a healthy diet, you know, and you're looking at avoiding the processed foods and staying away from unhealthy fats and trying to increase your vegetables, your fruit, the grass-fed meats and uh, uh, avoiding uh, too many carbohydrates and certainly eliminating the bad stuff. You know, that's the first place I would tell people where we want to start. You know, those like we address, there's many reasons why we have issues with, with weight gain, but you know, um, there's other things that people can do. Um, I have a lot of party tips and things that we talk about with my clients. I talk about with my clients and we discuss, is that kind of what you're Yeah. Yeah. Let's go through that. Yes. Okay. So, uh, some of the things that I wanted to to just share right now with you is first of all, I would say, um, you know, if a person is, is wanting to lose weight and to look good, first of all, get tested, right? We want to make sure that there's not any issues. If a person decides to say, for instance, fast or maybe intermittent fasting, which is a good, a good tool that can be used for health and weight loss. But if a person has a blood sugar dysregulation, I don't recommend it. So not everyone can do the intermittent fasting. The same thing with keto. You know, a lot of people are using keto or paleo for weight loss, but uh, again, get tested because person who struggles with the excess protein and fat, there could be one of two things. It could be that they are a slow oxidizer. And that's one thing the hair tissue mineral test tells us, are you a slow oxidizer or a fast oxidizer? The slow oxidizer can't digest all that fat and protein very well. And so therefore they feel sluggish. They, they're probably end up gaining weight instead of losing weight. So we look at that. That's why testing is important. Paleo, the fast oxidizer needs the protein and the, the good healthy fats to be able to sustain the higher metabolism. Can you be a low and then change to a fast? Yes. Can that change? Okay. Yes, it changes. And that's per- the purpose of a mineral balance is to get the slow fast oxidizer in balance. Okay. A good tip is always start your day with no carbs, <laughs> right? And, and this is probably well known by now, but uh, you know, our old 
standby breakfast of bagels and muffins and cereal and toast. I, I hope that's going out of style, but there is still a lot of people. I get a lot of clients that like their toast in the morning, you know, or their bagel and uh, feed their children the sugary cereals and all that. And that's really the, the worst thing you could do. It, it is. And I, I just couldn't, I don't know how, I literally don't know how people can do that because I would just crash after like I, my brain function, my, and I think is, is that how all these people feel who eat, yeah. you know, yeah. eat that crappy or not? Or yeah. do they feel crappy all the time? And that they've just adapted. Yeah, <laughs> feel exactly. like, you know, I totally yeah. agree. That's the worst way to start breakfast, a sugary yeah. donut with, you know, oh my goodness. caffeine and like just, Oh my goodness. Crash. I know. Yeah. Totally agree. And, and, you know, as a person's insulin resistance builds, over time it becomes worse so that they can't even have a drop you know first maybe they might be okay as a child eating their cereal in the morning um they're probably still going to have a drop right of, of energy but um insulin resistance builds and gets worse over time which ends up creating as you know heart disease and um, diabetes and all of these issues a lot of people don't notice because they you know are so used to it <laughs> But yeah, starting your day with good, healthy protein, get um, good, healthy carbs. And I, I recommend vegetables to me. And uh, my clients look at me vegetables for breakfast, but sure. I mean, you know, sauteed peppers and onions and some tomatoes and put some broccoli in there and have that with a couple of eggs. Um, that's a great breakfast right there. Agreed. Know? Good fat, healthy fat in there. So it should be a balance. So each meal should be a balance of the macros, protein, carbohydrate and fat and again there's testing you can do to figure out what proportion you need if you're a slow oxidizer you need a different proportion than a fast oxidizer and that is what helps you feel a bit better so many of my patients are gluten-free and obviously we're advocating for lower sugar eating so tell us i know you have some cookbooks but kind of tell us what your healthy substitutions are so in you kind of have five main categories that you recommend substitutions for so first is gluten-free so let's go over again i know we've talked about this on past episodes about why is gluten bad so why should we be avoiding gluten right <laughs> and then right. what are your top substitutes for gluten in baking yeah. Okay. You know, um, gluten-free uh, is, is huge right now. It's a big deal and people are promoting it everywhere. And I do recommend that my clients go gluten-free. Gluten is a grain that is very inflammatory, highly inflammatory to the gut. And we eat gluten in our society with every meal, every snack, and you grow up eating gluten. So no wonder by the time you get to be 40 years old or even younger, you start to have issues with your gut and digestive issues so gluten is, is very damaging to the gut. Um, as you know, leaky gut is when you have intestinal permeability and the cells eventually begin to open a little bit and it allows particles to go through that and that recirculating over and over the food and toxins. And so this, again, uh, affects the liver and creates uh, all kinds of uh, diseases and things. So um, not pleasant, not, not fun at all. Some people, you know, when I test them for food sensitivities or for gluten, they don't have any sensitivities and they're able to eat wheat and they're able to eat gluten. Uh, but usually these are the people that stay away from it anyway. Right. And so I tell them use caution. You know, I don't recommend it. You know, if you can at all be gluten-free use caution and you know, eat it once in a while. But most of us don't know we have a gluten intolerance, right? eight out of 10 of us are walking around eating gluten and don't even know that we have an intolerance and then it's building up inflammation. As far as substitutions, uh, you know, I don't, I don't really recommend the gluten-free products. You know, I just don't think they're healthy. I, I never buy them. The only gluten-free products I buy are the uh, 
um, spaghettis and pastas sure. because it's a hundred percent some other grain. They don't have all the fillers and all the things in there, but you know, the gluten-free breads and the gluten-free cookies <laughs> and all that has um, so much sugar and fat and things in there that make them tasty, but they're not necessarily healthy, but you know, rice is a good substitute. You know, we can have rice instead of bread with our dinner. We can have quinoa. That's a nice substitute. We have um, a lot of different flours now and a lot of different pastas that are made from bean products. Have you tried them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, yeah. They're Not actually bad. quite, yeah. yeah, they're quite delicious. And I think you have to change your taste buds. I mean, of course, it's not going to taste like white flour pasta, right? But um, those are some nice substitutions. Wonderful. What about sugar? Obviously, you should. Uh, yeah, what about sugar? <laughs> what about sugar is bad? And what are the substitutes that you recommend? Right. Well, sugar is uh, the number one thing that. It's just very difficult, I think, for people to give up, even gluten. I think giving up sugar is it's so addictive and it affects us in so many different ways. It affects our blood sugar. It affects our ability to heal. It even is, it feeds cancer. So people who have cancer shouldn't be eating sugar. And it can even cause cancer, you know, if a person overindulges in those sorts of things. So there's never, in my mind, never any reason to eat sugar. Except for the taste, <laughs> you know, that's something that we have to find substitutes for. So I raised my children without sugar. We didn't have sugar. I haven't had sugar in my house for years and years now. Um, so I, they raised, they know, not that they don't eat sugar now. They're grown, both of them are grown. But, <laughs> you know, but it was something that we um, had just learned over the years to Stay away from sugar and find substitutes. And there is a substitute for almost every treat, almost every treat out there that I found. Sure. Now, I haven't sit and made all, all the, you know, sweet treats there are, but you find a substitute most of the time. So what are the sugar substitutes that you recommend? Okay, again, it depends upon the person's situation, their health issues, and so forth. So we're looking at stevia. I really like stevia. That's my go-to. It's low-calorie. It's healthy for you. If you make sure you uh, eat the right kind, I mean, there's a lot of stevia that has a lot of fillers in there and things, but stevia in general is healthy, and uh, I think that's a a good one. I bake. When I bake, I use maple syrup or honey. Sure. And uh, those are, those are healthy. Now, mind you, they do have, they do have sugar in them, right? They have, they turn to a sugar, some in your body, uh, but they are higher in minerals than white sugar. And of course they're lower, a little bit lower on the, on the, I forget which one's lower. I think maple syrup might be lower. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, in one of your recipes, I saw you had put prunes for use in pumpkin pie. Yeah, you soak them. Yeah, you soak them and you make a puree out of them and use that in place of sugar. And actually, it's your nice moisture too. So, hmm. sure. Prunes, you can use raisins. But again, raisins are very high in sugar. So sure. You're trying to watch your glycemic index. So, just be careful there. If you're diabetic or you have sugar insulin dysfunction, then you still have to be careful about using fruit and natural food products. Right, right. What about fats? So what oils are bad? Which oils should we be using? <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, this is a big one too, but hopefully by now people are starting to realize that we need healthy fats. Coconut oil. I took uh, coconut oil. I think that's, that's a great fat. Um, that's very good for your, 
body, your heart. And it's actually very good for weight loss, coconut product. It is one other, one of two products or one of two foods that contain more acid mother's milk being the other one. So it's a very, very good for inflammation. And I could go on and on about coconut products, coconut oil, olive oil, avocado oil, palm seed oil. Those are all good oils to indulge in. Sure. And there's, there's others, you know, any of the nut oils I think are good. I want to stay away from cottonseed oil and the vegetable oils and some of those oils that so that'd be like trans fat. soy, canola, soy, canola, vegetable oils. Yeah. Yep. Cottonseed oil. What about dairy? Are you for or against dairy? What are your thoughts with dairy <laughs> specifically? Well, again, I do ask my clients to stay away from dairy. And we look at the food sensitivity test too. And that's a huge um, tell right there. Should we avoid dairy completely or not? For the most part, dairy is, is a, a difficult thing. Most people are or most people have some sort of a food sensitivity or inflammation causing ability. I don't want to use the word ability, but they cause inflammation by taking on dairy products. Some dairy products are better than others. So for instance, you're looking at sheep milk and, and, and goat milk are, are better. They're still dairy, but they're a better, less inflammatory product. I, I laugh because I was just reading this morning an article about camel milk. <laughs> so... You know, yeah. I guess that's becoming the thing now. I've never tried it. Have you? I, I have. Uh, I don't think I have, but I've yeah, heard I've heard of it, read yeah. of it. So anyway, that would be interesting to try. They say it tastes just like milk. But dairy, yeah. So it causes most of us issues. So individuals many times come to me thinking, well, I need to have my cheese because I need to get my calcium. I need to get my, my vitamin D. They think that is important. And what I, my response to that is normally, Milk doesn't have that much vitamin D. I mean, one full glass has like 100 IUs. So you'd have to drink 20 glasses of milk a day to even get to 2,000 IUs, which is very inflammatory. You'd have a gut ache. Nobody wants to do that. So there's really not that much vitamin D in milk. Yes, there's a little bit. But calcium-wise, you can get calcium from the milk alternatives. You can get calcium from eating a big green leafy salad, right? So most of us, I think, are who are eating healthy, right, are getting calcium from our diets. And thus, I, I don't think we need to add dairy just to get no, no, I agree. Calcium. Yeah. And actually there have been studies now that show that the dairy, that the calcium that we find in dairy is hard on our digestion. We don't digest it very well. So we think we're drinking all this milk and eating all this cottage cheese and we're getting all this dairy and you're getting some, but the body finds it difficult to digest and you're not getting as much as you think. I can't reference the study right now because I don't know off the top of my head, but I've seen studies showing those who consume more cow's dairy products actually have more bone loss than those yes, who don't. Yes, absolutely. I know those studies exist. I have seen Yes, them. yes. I've read them and I quote them to my, especially my osteoporosis clients because they think they're doing a good thing and they're, they're not really. Right. Um, so let's go back to some of your juicy tips. So what, what are some of your best juiciest tips? Or you, you actually also said you have a non-party day tip or something earlier. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. Let me grab up my, okay. So we're looking at tips. I did a whole series on this uh, last year on my website and also, you know, but my Facebook page and my social media, but tips on making it to the holiday really has to start with a plan, right? You have to have a plan how you're going to deal with parties and how you're going to deal with, with all the temptations, getting to the root uh, of your issues. If you have issues, it's huge. First of all, again, the testing, 
you know, if you have blood sugar dysregulation, parties could be devastating for you. They could be very dangerous. It can put you out <laughs> all the next day, right? <laughs> so getting to the root of having a plan. So what are you going to do? What are your goals? And then I have a whole list of things under that that you can do. Like if you're going to go to a party, there's some things you can do. I recommend, first of all, seeing if you can bring something ask the host, may I bring a dish? And then you can bring a dish that you know you can eat so that at least there's one thing there that you can eat. Sure. Now, this is hard for most people because we like the parties and we like the food, right? So you have to have the discipline to eat what you brought and that's it. But most of the time you can find something healthy at a party to eat. Another tip on party days would be to eat before you come, eat before you go. Just eat slightly, slight little meal or a snack that you know is healthy that's going to fill you up so that you're not going to the party start. Because if you go to the party start, you're going to eat everything. Right? So uh, on party days, there's other things that I recommend, you know, eat healthy. The party is only a couple of hours, right, out of the day. So eat healthy on the hours that you're not at the party. Start your day with a, a good healthy smoothie with lots of greens and good protein. Make sure you take your vitamins and your minerals throughout the day. Make sure that you're, you're sleeping and you're napping so that you don't go too tired. Studies show that if you're tired, we eat more, right? You, we don't, uh, we're, we fall to temptation more. Sure. Um, so eat healthy uh, for the day, have good and solid meals with good solid protein so that when you go to the party, you're not as likely to overindulge. And if you do indulge at the party, the next day, if you've, eat, if you've been eating healthy irregularly, it's easier to bounce back because that's a lot of our downfall is the next day, right? Um, don't do what I did for years and keep on eating. <laughs> You know, keep on eating the bad stuff the day after and the day after and the day after saying, okay, I'll start tomorrow. I'll start tomorrow. <laughs> if you're preparing something for the party, don't taste it because you've got to watch your snacking, right? If you're tasting it, then you're going to end up eating it and eating it and eating it. So those are just some of my tips for party days. What's your 80-20 rule? Uh, this is actually a rule that um, is pretty popular in China. So the Chinese have a rule where they eat for 80% full and stop with 20%, a little bit more room. So when you're eating a meal, stop at 80%. Right? You stop and um, make physical signs or verbal signs that you're done. You know, we all have that. I believe we all know that, that when we eat, there's a, t a sign or a time during the meal that we know we're done, right? You have that feeling, I'm just done. But what do we do? We keep on eating, right? Because it's there or the weight just keeps bringing us more bread or something to snack on, or we want dessert, but stop at 80%, even though you could eat 20% more. Sure. Sure. I've heard that several times before. So what are your, your tips on overcoming sugar cravings? Mm. Oh boy. Uh, this is a whole, whole nother series, a whole nother talk in and of itself. And I have a, um, a whole series on my website that I did a few years ago on sugar cravings, but sugar cravings are actually it's, it's very seldom does it have to do with a person who's overindulged. You know, sugar cravings usually mean that there's something else going on in the body and that their diet is, is poor. And number one, I would say sugar cravings has to do with, you know, are you you're eating the wrong foods at the wrong time? So if you start your day with carbohydrates, such as a bagel or toast or something, then that sets you up for having cravings later on. So every two hours, what happens is your body becomes 
where it needs that sugar because toast turns to sugar, right? It kind of white starches turns to sugar. And so you end up eating it all day long. So that is one thing, uh, starting your day well. Uh, sugar cravings, can. there's a whole host of reasons why we have sugar cravings. It could be thyroid, it could be stress. We eat more when we're under stress and it causes us to need that energy. Probably the biggest, I would say, besides eating the wrong types of foods at the wrong time of the day, would be nutrient deficiencies. So our body is looking for something. It's looking for that, whatever it is. And, you know, have you ever gone to the pantry or you've eaten a big meal? Let's say you've eaten a big meal and it's full, it's full of fat, you know, and um, you've eaten a big meal and you're just so full. And then 15, 20, 30 minutes later, you go to the pantry or the refrigerator and you're looking for more food. What happens is that we're eating the wrong kinds of food at our meal. We're filling up on not the nutrients. We're filling up on the good stuff, the fat, the carbohydrates, the meat, you know, but we're not getting the nutrients our body needs. So we go to the pantry and our body is still looking for something, even though our stomach is full. I know I've done it. <laughs> My clients tell me they've done it. So nutrient deficiencies are huge. Uh, blood sugar imbalances, which are actually caused by sugar and carb, sugar and carb overindulgences. There's bacterial overgrowth, fungal overgrowth, candida. Person has candida. Their sugar cravings more than likely. You got to feed that beast. And I have a lot of patients who have had yeast overgrowth and they, they oh. do crave sugar and they have to constantly feed that. Yeah. Uh, looking at your tongue, if your tongue is coated even mildly, <laughs> although some of my patients have very furry white tongues, <laughs> um, that can be suggestive of yeast overgrowth. Yeah. We can yeah. actually culture that to, to confirm if that's yeast. But Interesting. Uh, yeah, a lot of my patients where I, I look to see if they have, oh, from a symptom questionnaire standpoint, symptoms of yeast, but then there are other suggestions on their skin that may guide me into knowing that they have yeast overgrowth growth and so we do have to stop feeding the beast we got to get rid of the sugar exactly which can take yeah. a while you're not yeah. going to get rid of yeast overgrowth or stop eating sugar over no. it can take weeks to months it takes a long time it takes a long time to get get rid of it and get it out of it and it's hard you it, crave sugar because you feed the beast yeah yeah <laughs> time and time again i see with my patients when we eventually get them through the withdrawal and we treat yeast many of their sugar cravings go away and they say i don't i don't even have any anymore they're just right on yeah. so yeah. i do find i would agree that yeast overgrowth can be yeah. one of the top it's huge it, it's huge and that's usually one of the first questions i ask when they say they have sugar cravings you know we explore uh, candida or fungal overgrowth bacterial infections also can cause sugar cravings. And I know a couple of years ago, about two years ago, I started having terrible sugar cravings and I wasn't paying much attention because we had just moved and I was busy and I, and I, it got so bad that I was actually going, getting in my car and going to the store to buy sugar, which is not like me. I don't even eat sugar usually, but, um, that's what I was doing. So finally I said, wait, something, something's not right. So I tested myself and found out that I had not only a couple of bacterial infections, but I had parasites. And once that parasite was gone, I mean, it was like, bam, sugar cravings were gone. So again, they feed off of that. Definitely something to look into. A lot of patients ask, well, why would I have bacterial overgrowth or why would I have yeast overgrowth? And 
Speaking to yeast specifically, I have a lot of patients who have taken antibiotics throughout the course of their life, whether it was at birth, whether they had childhood ear infections, whether they had respiratory infections or acne as an adult or UTIs or whatnot. Many patients take antibiotics, not thinking much of them, but these effects accumulate and impact our microbiome. And then, of course, yeast is opportunistic. And so it can take a while to rebuild the gut health, but that's a huge part of helping with insulin resistance, but getting those, those sugar cravings down as well. So Right. Functional medicine providers can use a variety of tests to help with getting at the root cause of the, the sugar cravings and again, help you rebuild your health. Right. So right. Exactly. And medications too. You know, mm-hmm. a, lot of, a lot of medications can cause bacterial microbiome to be upset. They absolutely can. Specifically, reflux medications. <laughs> oh my goodness. Those are the worst. Uh, oh we my won't, goodness. Yeah. We won't go off on a tangent. We won't go there. <laughs> uh, so what would your top longevity tip be? Well, I certainly believe in the power of food. You know, hypocrisy, Hippocrates said it right. You know, let food be thy medicine. So that's the first place we stress is eat healthy, avoid the, the processed foods and avoid uh, the junk foods and eat lots of vegetables. You know, I recommend eight to 10 servings a day of fruits, vegetables. So that's a good recipe or how do you incorporate that? So you mentioned breakfast, like with with an omelet or how Mm -hmm. else do you incorporate your vegetables? Yeah, I I do smoothies, you know, I put um, three to four cups of greens and maybe even some of the vegetables in there in my smoothies. I do juicing, I juice vegetables. I don't do it every day, but I try to, that's a great way to increase your nutrients there. Again, you have to watch the blood sugar dysregulation and all that. But, um, and of course, not the fruit, the vegetables, uh, lots of salads, big, huge salads. I mean, big salads. And then you take vegetables and you cut them up and you add them to your salad. So it's not just lettuce, not just spinach, not just romaine, but it's vegetables. And you're looking at all kinds of cruciferous and all kinds of dark colored, brightly colored vegetables like peppers and tomatoes and radishes. And um, very good. Uh, you know, I also put a, a tablespoon or two of sauerkraut in my salads. And, you know, that's actually really quite delicious. It adds that salt, tangy, salty, yeah. Yeah. tangy, tangy, yeah. And, of course, you know, there's always a side of vegetables. So I always have at least two sides of vegetables with dinner plus a salad. So, and, and of course, my dinner, you know, stir fries contain lots of vegetables anyway. Yep. And that's great. Soups are a great way to get vegetables. And um, it, it's really not as hard as it sounds. You first think about it, you think it's going to be difficult, but it's, not as hard. If you have cut up vegetables on hand, little things you can snack on during the day. If you need a snack, that's another great way. Wonderful. Well, tell us where listeners can find you. And I hear you have a free gift for our audience. So share with us what that is. Okay. Well, Veronica's Healthy Living is my website and I have lots of recipes and uh, things on there for people to peruse as far as articles in my blog. Uh, Right now I'm offering a gift of a link that I will share that with you and you can share where if you think you have a mineral imbalance, I have a quiz of over 40 questions that you can take. I think I believe actually is 40 questions you can take to see if you are possibly suffering from a mineral imbalance. And that quiz will then take you to my offer, which is the HTMA hair mineral tissue, which I'm offering at a special discount right now with a month. It's for $3.99 for a month of my services. Lot of support, which Wonderful. is a really 
good deal. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the show and introducing our audience to hair mineral analysis testing. We haven't had anyone yet talk about that. So thank you for sharing that as well as tips for keeping us healthy through the holidays. So thank you for sharing your knowledge. My pleasure. I enjoyed it. Thank you. That concludes another episode. Hopefully this was a good reminder before more holidays begin that it's wise to avoid gluten, dairy, and sugar. Plan, plan, plan around the holidays. Make a healthy dish to bring to parties and stop eating when you're 80% full. I'm sure we've all heard that before, but let's implement it now, especially this December. Be sure to check out my book, Your Longevity Blueprint. And if you aren't much of a reader, you're in luck. You can now take my course online where I walk you through each chapter in the book Plus, for a limited time, not only is the course 50% off, but you also get your first consult with me for free. Check this offer out at yourlongevityblueprint.com and click the course tab. One of the biggest things you can do to support the show and help us reach more listeners is to subscribe to the show and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. I read all of the reviews and would truly love to hear your suggestions for show topics, guests, or how you're applying what you've learned on the show to create your own longevity blueprint. The podcast is produced by the team at Counterweight Creative. As always, thanks so much for listening. And remember, wellness is waiting. The information provided in this podcast is educational. No information provided should be considered to be or used as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always consult with your personal medical authority.